Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You're listening to the Archaeology Podcast Network. This is the CRM Archaeology Podcast. It's the show where we pull back the veil of cultural resources management archaeology and discuss the issues that everyone is concerned about. Welcome to the podcast. Hello and welcome to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 257 for February 8th, 2023. I'm your host, Chris Webster, and on today's show, we talk about friendship and professionalism in the workplace. So go check your social media friends and start unfriending people or making new ones because the CRM Archaeology Podcast starts right now. Welcome to the show, everyone. Joining me today is Bill in California. Good morning. Heather in California. Hi, everyone. Doug in Scotland. Hi, everyone. And Andrew, sorry, let me say, and Dr. Waxing His Surfboard, Andrew Kinkella in Southern California. Sup, bros? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, we don't often record the uh, stuff before we hit recording, but, you know, we were just talking about community college life in Southern California. So I think, uh, I think we nailed it. So that, that yeah. might come up today. We'll talk about it, but primarily topic how for today, it, it's part, yeah. well, you know, if you're in Southern California, <laughs> it's part surfing and some learning. <laughs> right, I'm not going to say right. what percentage is surfing versus archeology, span but surfing is involved. We definitely now yeah. know. Which, which part of this is the downside? I don't know. You can, I don't you can know. Tell me later. Me either. Besides I can't surf. That's the only downside. <laughs> yeah, well, Berkeley is part part learning and part protesting. So, you know, there you go. Yeah, I'm good at those things. <laughs> <laughs> right, right. All right. So the topic for today, we, we have a, a Slack team that we communicate on for you know this show and, and to talk about what we're going to do. And Doug brought up friendships and professionalism. So, Doug, why don't you give us an idea of what you were talking about there? Yeah, well. Couple of thoughts in there, but like just to throw it out there to begin with, it was the idea of, you know, obviously you've been a good portion of your life, probably about a third of, you know, your week at work with your colleagues. And so mm-hmm. there's a good chance you're going to make friendships. And how do you guys? feel about that in in archaeology so friendships both of like you know making your wider sort of friendships but also working with your friends do you guys have any sort of strict you know friendly but no friendships or do you actually like to go see your coworkers outside of work and hang out apparently if you're andrew just surf all the time but for everyone else <laughs> maybe chris rv rv buddies um, i'm not sure what, what everyone does in their free time <laughs> Obviously, we're not friends outside of the podcast, so I don't know what you guys do in your spare time, but that's a question I'm going to just throw out to you guys, and we'll take it from there. Yeah, that's a great question. What's crazy is when I did cultural resources, I had a lot of people I worked with that were my friends that I hung out with. Not so much at all since I work at the university. Like, it's almost as if I just make sure to stay away from everyone except for a couple of folks at work. Yeah, I... uh would almost agree. I mean, I've got some friends that I've made through CRM that I'm still friends with and we still do occasional things together with, you know, mostly virtually, uh, to be honest, like Richie, Richie Cruz, who him and I do the live stream uh, on the APN channel on Facebook every once in a while and on his YouTube channel. So we, we keep in touch that way. But, you know, to be honest, yeah, most of them, the only friend I really met on a project that I still occasionally talk to is my wife, actually. She, um, <laughs> we met, we met on my very first project and, but only for like a couple of days. And then the project got shut down for winter. But then coincidentally, we were both on a project in downtown Miami, which I'm sure I've talked about on the show in the past, but that was a six month, uh, six or seven months we were there together. And, and that's when we got to kind of know each other. And it wasn't that time, but a little bit later. You know, we started dating and then, yeah, we've been together ever since. That was in, that was in 2000 and 
five that we met on that first project. And then 2006 was basically the Miami project. So yeah, long time ago, but there's still through the magic of social media, I do keep in touch with occasionally, you know, a lot of other people, but I don't, I don't know if I would call those friendships to be honest with you. What about you, Doug? Is that, well, I was actually going to ask Chris, is that like through, so Bill said his was a bit more by choice, but is that through choice? Chris, is it just something that sort of happens or do you have like a sort of rule of keep, keep work, work, a social, social yeah. sort of thing, or is it just how it sort of happened? So it also kind of yeah. is kind of the nature of, of CRM as well. When you're, especially, I, I guess it, it differs for different parts of your career where, you know, when you're, when you're starting out, you're going to be friendly with people, but then like, you know, the project might end after three weeks and you may not see these people yeah. again for another 10 years, if you even do, or ever again, right. you know, it's, well, yeah, it sort I, of, I would say part of it, have like a rule or definitely not. No, no structured thing. The only thing I would say is, you know, I try not to burn bridges unless they're bridges I really don't ever want to cross again. Right. There's definitely some people that we've all worked with that, you know, you just, I, I just don't care to talk to those people ever again. Right. So I'm not going to reach out and try to be friends with them. I don't really unfriend people on Facebook unless they're really pissing me off. And it's just stuff I don't want to see if they're just like a big spammer, you know, as far as social media goes. But that being said, you know, those people, like you just said, Doug, it might be a three week project and 10 years, you know, you don't speak to them for 10 years. But in 10 years, one of those people might be in a position to give you a job. You know what I mean? They might be in a, a full time job at a company. They might have moved up in the world and, and you know, maybe you have too, and they need another project manager. Now you're a project manager. I don't know. You, you just never know what's going to happen because this field is so dynamic and so, so changing. You just want to you want to keep those doors open. Now, I I wouldn't say you want to do it somewhat artificially. Like I have a lot of people that reach out to me on well, Facebook and sometimes Twitter, but mostly Facebook that say, hey, no, no. Hi, how you doing? We haven't spoken in 10 years or, you know, something like that. What's going on? Just I'm looking for work. Do you have a job for me? Or do you know anybody that's that's hiring? I'm like, why am I the person you're asking for that first off? But second, like, hi, how's it going? We haven't talked in a while. <laughs> like, even if I did have a job, I probably wouldn't give it to you because I haven't heard from you in 10 years. So, yeah, from a professionalism standpoint, uh, I would say, you know, keep those doors open, keep those bridges open, for so, uh, so to speak. But, yeah, it's just, uh, you know, keep it going. And, and, Doug, I see that you say we're no longer FB friends, but... I know we were in the past and you probably unfriended me because you're hardly on Facebook to begin with. You probably just went through and unfriended a whole bunch of people, to be honest. And then it's like Chris, your wife was, and like your mom. I was 100% joking, man. I was 100% joking. I got to find my password to log in. I need to figure out how to log into Facebook. Yeah, I haven't seen you on there lately, Bill, either. Yeah, I'm hiding. I'm a lurker. Oh, you're yeah. on every now and then. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I should also say, uh, just to make it clear, like to make the distinction is like obviously, I think we're all recommending being friendly with your coworkers, but it's sort of taking sure. that extra step of friendship where you consider someone yep. a friend as opposed to just friendly list or like we all have like a a large social network of acquaintances who we are friendly with, but these are not people that you would normally call up and hang out with outside of you know conferences or work and stuff like that and that's that's more what i'm talking about is yeah. people who you would see outside of work interactions on a more regular basis mm. i i struggled with this for a little while and then i just let it go <laughs> so we have a team and we work together like we're very communicative so we have various different platforms that we talk to each other we text we have zoom that the zoom really took off you know during covid like for everyone else and uh phone calls and our team like we are the, there's probably texts that are going on we probably have like 100 texts over a day uh, between all of us and then we text we also have a you know text group chat and we just genuinely like each other in fact i would say you know we love each other really. And we're, we are one team. We go through a lot together. We've gone through a lot over the years and the people that come into our team, you know, we've had some people come and go. We have some people that are still on our personal private group chat. So we have 
we've kind of played around with having two different chats, but they always kind of, you know, we mix them up. And, you know, for a while, because I'm, I'm the lead, right? I supervise everybody that's in on the team. And there were times where I thought to myself, am I supposed to separate myself? <laughs> this is difficult. <laughs> but yeah. then I realized, you know, the reason our team is so tight and the reason why we are so effective is because we care for each other deeply. And when it's worked, I mean, we've all gone through difficult times in our lives and we've filled in for each other. And the reason we, our team has stayed together for so long is because they have that flexibility because people genuinely care. And there is this, it, it, there is this trust with each other. And so, you know, I look at supervision as a, as coach, as a coach, I I don't look at it like I'm here to to kind of lord over you and to make sure you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing. If you're doing it right and you establish a relationship where you're more of a coach and you're helping people, you know, guide them through their professional life, and then the the good work will come with that. And so I thought, you know what? If you're a coach, there's nothing wrong with being a friend. You know, and so I kind of, there was a while where I struggled with, and I thought, am I allowing, am I blurring lines here that is going to be in, have a negative side? And I don't think so. I, I've decided that I'm just not going to worry about that anymore. Of course, you know, there are some people that treat friendships a little differently. You know, I don't bear my soul to people. <laughs> there are certain levels of friends that I do. And one of them is a, is a coworker, but for the most part, I found that line and maybe I stretch it farther than most, but to me, it's been a real positive and there's no escaping it. You work so, especially with how many hours I work, it's just, it's impossible. Do I have friends outside of work? Absolutely. I do. I have a great friend network outside of work, but I deeply care and love my team and we are true friends outside of work. I'm thinking that that sounds like a situation I haven't necessarily ever had at work, <laughs> especially in archaeology. <laughs> you know, but what that, the funny thing is, is that our team, we're from all different. I think one key is we're from all different worlds, really. We have all grown up very differently. We have different perspectives on life, uh, which actually makes our, our group really dynamic and fun. And, but there are certain things we never talk about. We never talk about politics. And we've never said we're going, we're not going to talk about politics. It's an understood. Yeah. And that is a key, I think, uh, especially in work. And I, I do think that that is, as far as professionalism goes, I think that that's something that has been lost over the years Yeah. in the professional circles. And I really think that not talking about certain topics that, you know, back in the day would say, at the dinner, you know, at family, at family dinners, right? You don't talk politics and you don't talk religion or, you know, the kind of the joke or in, in a work setting and, you know, we're anthropologists. So not talking about religion is hard, but, <laughs> and even politics, that's, that's hard. But I do think that there's certain, certain lines that, that you have to be careful not to cross. And, you know, even if people are, let's say politics, even if people are aligned with you and, and, and believe the same thing you do. There's a certain level that you need to you need to draw with yourself in a professional environment. And you don't go past that. Because when you do that, even if people may agree with you, they're still gonna say, okay, you know, you, you actually as a professional have to I think you have to demonstrate that you know that there's like right, we have code switching that we talk about in that anthropology, that we know the environment we're in. And we draw that line like that's clear that there are certain things we're not going to talk about. And I do think that when you do, when you cross over that line, that you know, you alien, you alienate others, you alienate yourself. And I do think that that is something that's important that the people coming up in the business need to understand in this day and age where we're talking about politics all the time. I do not think in a business setting is the best. Yeah. I, I can I can definitely hear that. And my job is like now it's basically politics. <laughs> it's yeah. like all anyone ever wants to talk about. But I, right. I feel like personality is the critical piece that, yeah. you know, there are some people that you can talk about that kind of stuff. But because you have personalities, you know, you know, you're you work well together with that person or, you know, you relate to that person really well. That I think that's the the key piece. Etiquette is good, but 
you know, the folks that are my friends that, you know, we did archaeology together, we met at work. Those are folks that our personalities worked out well. And that's how we've remained friends over these many years. Hmm. Yeah, I, you guys are all so serious and everything. When I'm not surfing, I'm making friends, dude. That's what I'm doing. <laughs> so like what I would say is I think that friendship is vital, you know, in the in the workplace. Although you are talking to somebody who met his wife at new faculty orientation, right? When nice. I when I started at Moorpark College, I have a, a couple really deep friendships that I've made at the college. And what's so great is a place like Moorpark is small enough where like I go motorcycle riding with the chemistry professor. I've been working on a screenplay with the theater professor, you know, and it's kind of like Bill was saying, there's just, there's a handful of personalities that I meet and I really get along well with. And it's cool to talk with these people because you kind of have you have a mutual understanding. In this case, you're both college professors. In the CRM world, you're both archaeologists, you know. So I think it's pretty easy to form really lasting, important friendships in these worlds. So before jumping into the break, I was just going to ask a question to sort of Heather and Andrew, as you guys tend to be the ones who have have friendships at work. So this is from a personal experience and non-archaeology related, but um the job, how I met my wife. It was quite an intense job where we all lived together. It was new student orientation. So we were orientating the new students in undergrad. And they designed it, you know, lots of team building. Everyone was really close, 20 really close people. Everyone were friends. We hung out on weekends and stuff. And it was good. So we did it for a couple of years. And the first year, no problems, even with people having relationships and stuff like that and breaking up, nothing like that. But one of the other members who basically everyone was friends with ended up getting fired. And it caused a lot of issues in that everyone thought it was unfair. And it basically turned everyone against the management, as it were, because it wasn't just you know, someone getting fired, one of your coworkers, it was your really good friend getting fired for a reason that no one particularly thought was valid. And it was, it was a technicality basically. And so have you guys run into that as well? Like if you're having friends at work, has that influenced anything when things go bad or the next round of layoffs at the California state university. I don't know. There's a term for it, but you guys, you know, all your California schools. Okay. You guys are going to answer that question on the other side of the break because we are at the end of segment one. And on the other side, we'll get the answer to that question because I've got a response to that as well. And we will also find out if Andrew is his screenplay that he's writing, if he's writing himself into the next Indiana Jones series, which I'm guessing is probably true. So we'll talk about that, Chris. <laughs> we'll talk about that on the other side of the break. Back in a minute. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac burger, McNuggets or McCrispy sandwich, but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome back to the CRM Archaeology Podcast, episode 257. And at the end of the last segment, Doug was asking a question, you know, about basically making friends at, at work and, and what happens kind of when it goes wrong to summarize, right? When, when that friend has a, has an issue or something, you know, gets fired, whatever, how do you, how do you kind of deal with that? And I can tell you two circumstances I can think of, well, really three, one, there was, you know, obviously people dating that is like 
obviously a little more advanced form of friendship, but that does happen on projects, you know, when they, they get to know each other and then they start dating. And I remember two people just got into a massive fight at a project hotel and one of them just basically walked off the job, which is going to happen. And, and they took off. So that was definitely a ramification of letting that friendship get obviously into that mode and then having it not work out. And that's a, that's a risk that you take there. But also in response to say relationships, I have seen, I saw a couple get divorced over this because one of the employees actually quit over just being frustrated. They were both working at the same company and the other employee did not quit and just kept working there. And it was like, not that you have to quit in solidarity, but they kept working in the same situation. And in fact, ended up working there for a while and they ended up getting divorced. And I have no idea, no doubt that it was more than likely in response to just that difference of opinion. Like, how can you still keep working there for those people? That kind of thing. And then my own example Somebody's is- Somebody's got to make a paycheck. But like I said, though, my own example, this is before Rachel and I were even married. I like rage quit during my one year review and told my boss to F off <laughs> like during the review. So that was pretty much the end of my employment at a company in South Carolina. And Rachel heard this from down the hall. She was working in the lab at her computer and uh, essentially shut her computer down and walked out with me. And we both just, that's what basically kicked off our, oh. we had been dragging our feet on this, but that's what basically kicked off our shovel bumming across the United States from South hmm. Carolina to the West where we really wanted oh. to be. We were just dragging our feet on leaving that position. And we just, yeah, we were like, well, there's want, like yeah, want to work I mean, I have, a, I have a million questions about that one too, but I don't want to, because the question just, is what, was she ready to really shovel bum and live out of a car? I mean, was she really ready? Was she, yeah, you know, we both hated working in the Southeast. <laughs> we both hated it. It was no, she loves she loves security. She loves a good she loves a secure paycheck and she will she will sit through a poor situation longer than I will. But a lot of people are in that boat, right? They just they just like, man, I've got a salaried job. This is good. I hate the people I work with and my boss is a dick, but I have a paycheck. And a lot of people get stuck into that situation and they just they just won't take the risk to move on. Well, that's not me. Yeah. I will take that well, risk. I will live in the car. Yeah. And we weren't married at the time. She could have easily said, hey, I'm staying here. I'm like, okay, well, I guess we'll work this out. But she quit with me and we we sold both of our cars, leased a Toyota 4Runner because it was bigger than the two smaller cars that we had, put all of our stuff in there and basically started shovel bowing across the country for two years until we made it to Nevada. So yeah, that, that was yeah. the start yeah. of the story. You have to just... Chris, you just have to own that you actually had a Jerry Maguire moment. Like, that's amazing. You own that. Congratulations. I'm jealous. Yeah. Right. I'm There's jealous. nothing better than those moments. I love those moments. But yeah. 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 Indeed. No, I mean, uh, we, going, back, going back to the question about, you know, folks that you like, that you're friends with, leaving the company or whatever, that, that scenario is the number one reason why I haven't had those kind of relationships, especially with supervisors that CRM companies, because it's really common for you to, you know, like someone or to see what happened to them as unfair when looking at it from the company perspective, they might've had rules. They might've done something wrong. They might've actually cost the company a lot of money or done something super dangerous and they're getting fired is protecting your job because then this person who's a liability is no longer causing problems. But because you like that person, all you see is the supervisors, you know, taking action against your colleague. That is the number one reason why I don't ever remember. I, there's a couple of supervisors I've had before that have been my friends, you know, my first company, they were definitely that family kind of company. But since then, I just worked for corporations and, you know, the supervisors and friends are not the ones that get invited to hang out at my kid's birthday party or even right. have a drink with me after work. Right. So that collegiality I've noticed is, you know, kind of forced. It seems like at the job where I work right now, because there's some folks that I just I don't even want to spend more than five seconds talking to more than just, a you know, common high you know, thanks for mm -hmm. being a good fellow citizen. I have no interest in what's going on with you and don't want to spend any time talking to you or listening to you any more than I must. And, you know, the, the folks that are of the higher levels are definitely at that. And what's sad is they, those are the ones who are supposed to be helping and mentoring me, but it's just not, I'm like Fred Flintstone now, man, when that, when the bell rings, I slide down the brontosaurus and just get on the subway and just drive away from there, man. <laughs> just try to leave it all back there. 
So a lot of stuff has changed because early on we were hanging out together. We were camping out there. We were doing projects. Everyone was living together. And there's a couple people that you don't like that you just don't really hang out with. And every now and then there were supervisors. They would do really great things, you know, stop work on Friday and folks would hang out and have ice cream or, you know, have crazy mm-hmm. baked good contests instead of the morning meeting. We would sit and eat brownies and stuff. And there was just yeah. really cool stuff that happened at the smaller place. Now it's kind of like if someone offered me a brownie, I'd wonder why, why are you giving me this brownie? Like, what do you mean? Like, what is this? Do I owe you something <laughs> now? Is it poison? What, why, why are you giving me a brownie? Cause you've never even yeah. talked to me once ever. And sure enough, the minute you accept that they ask you to do something or they ask for something or they tell you something that's unsolicited or basically they're just a, you know, general, you know, uncomfortable person to be around. And so mm-hmm. and I found, I found that the, like I was saying before personality, I had much more in common with people who were doing cultural resources than people who are professors or work for universities. And I just don't, find any you know it just seems like everyone's an actor that's acting something out they don't ever speak clearly they don't ever let you know what they're thinking or or what their you know what their motivations are and it's just a really you know really really fake place to work because <laughs> uh, you know at any, at any second any any second that i say on this podcast or anything at work immediately can cause protests <laughs> for, for just like we don't even know why you know someone mm-hmm. wakes up they're yeah. drinking their cup of tea they hear what i say the next thing you know there's some kind of huge battle and you know it's time it's right. time for me to go i've got to quit my job everything that i've done is the worst in the world and so no right. no one ever speaks no one's ever true to their word no one ever says anything out loud that they're actually thinking because they never know what someone else is going to do and you were saying staying in a job you know longer than you should or whatever that is academia. <laughs> Everyone who's made full professor has cracked that state in the job longer than they should have. And they're just never, ever going to leave. Right. So mm-hmm. when you work in an environment that's like that, it's, there's not going to be friends that are going to come out and, and you know, you're not going to have colleagues that you're hanging out with and going camping and stuff with. Yeah. So just a quick fact check. You guys are all California based. Weed's legal there now, right? So, so that brownie is a, is a bit more than just a brownie, is it not? <laughs> yeah, and depending on the town, psychedelic mushrooms could have been decriminalized too. So you could be getting something wow. that's you know going to get the truth oh out of you. <laughs> I totally agree with you, Bill, because actually, especially now in the workplace, we're seeing this movement towards a forced culture where companies are constantly trying to sell their culture. And it seems very disingenuous. I mean, I think that you know sometimes I really wish – that, that the higher-ups would would look and realize and really do a survey that's truly anonymous and realize that this concept of forced culture is detrimental. And in fact, I personally believe, and this could be a whole other podcast, but I personally believe it's a form of gaslighting because when people are having an issue in a company and then you have this concept of a forced culture where everybody's supposed to act like everything is wonderful and rosy and we love each other and everything, it it not only dilutes the true relationships, but it also makes people wonder, well, wait a minute, like I'm having these problems and I'm not supposed to have these problems because everything's supposed to be wonderful. This company has the most amazing culture ever, you know, ever. And, and everybody's supportive of each other and, and the company only wants the best for its employees. And, you know, I don't think there's anything wrong with the company going that direction and supervisors going that direction and trying to make these inroads towards creating a good comfortable, uh, supportive culture. But when it's done to check the box so that a company can say they have this, it feels disingenuous and it does not allow for a counter for people to say, you know what, I don't feel this right now. And then it becomes gaslighting. And so I think a forced relationship is a, is a problem to, for me, my personal you know, I struggled, like I said, I struggled with it for a while. And this is something that just came over time. So what we have, and this was actually dictated by other people on the team, not me, you know, they're the ones who started the personal chats over the weekends. I mean, we we're sending pictures, they're sending pictures, everybody's chatting back and forth, laughing with each other throughout the entire week, including the weekend. And if people want, we respect, if people want to shut down. We also have pers- people had their phones paid for, right? So that makes a difference. So you have a work chat. And if you don't want to be a part of that work chat, you just turn off your work phone. But 
I, I do think that if something like that evolves on a team, it's really hard to shut that down. And I don't think it's a good thing to shut it down, but people can come and go and they can participate as much as they want. Although I do, I do understand all the concerns and just like, you know, like what Bill is saying, he's the one who's, he's regulated. He's like, uh, this is this. I want to go this far. I don't want to go this far, and for his own personal reasons. But I think for us, it's worked. But it's something that has happened genuinely over time. It's never been something okay. Like I said, I'm going to create a culture with our team, and it's going to be this, 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 and this. It's just happened over time because we have good people that work hard, that genuinely care about each other, that love each other, want the best for each other. And it's hard to keep people away when they feel that way. Right. And to fight that and to say, no, we have to have these lines. I just think that it's something that if you have it, it's something that's really special. And when you were talking about, you know, supervisors and people getting fired for good reason, sometimes you have people that are being given a hard time for the wrong reasons. And I've seen that happen. And when you have genuine relationships that have just happened because you're you're good people with the right intentions, you have people that, that genuinely know you and are willing to stand up for you. And that's that's a special thing. And so sometimes those things benefit in the long run. And that's not why you have a relationship like that. But I just I think there's two sides to it. And I think that you just have to be very thoughtful in how you interact in the workplace. I'm reminded I saw something on one of the social media platforms a couple of months back where they're just like, yeah, if someone's trying to hire you and they say, oh, yeah, we're more of a family than a, than a company, you know, you're just about to get screwed. Yes. When people say that, it, mean, it means that they're trying to create something like we have our company had this thing called a no a-hole policy. And at one point I told <laughs> I told our vice president, I was like, honestly, I never want to hear that again because a company that says they have a no a-hole policy has an a-hole problem. If you have yeah. to say you have no a-hole policy, yeah, you have a problem with that. Yeah, totally. All that stuff is so disingenuous. I, I can't agree with you more, Heather. I hate that false like work culture crap. You know, it has to be organic. And when it's organic, it can't be beat. You know, so it's like I think it's groups who can't get that organic thing happening. They do this false thing to try to compete and it never does. Yep. yep. And also, it, it can be really alienating as well. The reason why I'm pretty anti on like developing friendships and work is just because some people might not have the time. I think a couple of us on here have kids and understand that like, you know, for a good decade plus your life, you don't really have weekends other than like kid related things. And maybe some of your coworkers have kids and that works out too. But yeah, there's that sort of exclusion. And then also there's some people who just, you just want to go to work and then have work end and you don't, that's not your thing. And I think it can be really, it's really tough in that like maybe like 90% of your team is in this close friendship bubble and there's that 10% that's not. And there's that, I think it's really hard. I think some people can do it, but not everyone where, you know, we've seen, I think we've all probably seen somewhere where someone gets promoted or someone gets a better job or, you know, they're not forced to go do the uh, 600 shovel tests in the uh, in the rain or the, <laughs> the blizzard because... They're friends with the boss or they're friends with whoever's giving out the job. And I, I think that could cause a lot of problems. Uh, I don't know if you guys have anything other than like some people who, who can really compartmentalize and have friendships and make sure it doesn't affect it. But I, I think it's a, it's a big risk because even if it's not for that reason, people will still jump to that reason that, oh, they got a better job because of friendship. And that might not be the case, but it's always at risk of the impression, which, you know, and a lot of times it's your impression, your your view of the world that's, that matters, not necessarily the facts. I, I totally agree with you, Doug. And that's another thing that I've struggled with. But I'll say for the people on our team, we have people between the most northern 
person on our team and most southerly person on our team, we have about 400 miles, right? So we're not going out on weekends with each other. That does not happen. I do set up, you know, things when we go out in the field and we have a nice, you know, cocktail hour, we go out to dinner, but you would do that with the team anyway. And I think that, you know, it's very hard to define friendships and it's hard to control friendships. I mean, if you're caring, you care for each other and there's all different types of friendships, right? So anybody who comes into our team can can exercise this collegiality in any way they want. And, you know, sometimes is that unfair to in other, in other circumstances? Yes. In our circumstance, it's not because everyone is treated the same way. Everyone's invited to be part of that in the same way. And I think maybe our, our situation is different because we truly do not, we don't go out on the weekends because we're not near each other. Now we've had baby showers, you know, but in a, in a work setting, you know, you're going to do that anyway, where you're going, uh, you know, some people where you invite people, yeah. but we would never, if we have somebody has a personal, like a, a, a personal event, like a baby shower, everyone on the team is invited. We've never had that. We would never exclude somebody. And if somebody decides not to come, there's never any thought of they didn't come for a certain reason. We've had people that we have people on our team right now that, decide, you know, that they're not into as much of the interaction and in, on the weekend and that's fine. And they're not mm. treated any differently, but I do think that, you know, I, I think, you know, if somebody has, does not hold themselves is an unfair person. If the supervisor is unfair, if people on the team hold things against each other, yeah, you know what, that is going to be unfair, but that would be unfair whether you have friendships or not. Hey, Heather, it almost sounds like you guys operate in a mature adult manner. Thank you. (laughs) It's hard to define. Exactly. Right. That's weird. Just respectful of each other. (laughs) Yeah. All right. Let's uh, call this segment and then we'll pick it back up in segment three. And we've got some stuff to wrap this up with back in a minute. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks. Oh, yeah, that's me. Nothing extra. Just perfection and a straw coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block because there are drinks then there are drinks from mcdonald's mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for a dollar 49 perfect with our classic fries price and participation may vary cannot be combined with any other offer Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. everybody in your crew identifies as either big mac burger mcnuggets or mccrispy sandwich but you're the filet fish sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. All right, welcome back to the third and final segment of episode 257 of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. We're talking about friends and professionalism. And, you know, I I want to bring up something Heather touched on a little bit in segment one, but just kind of close this out with an obvious question, to be honest. And, and that is, how close of friends should you be with your bosses? And those could just be crew chiefs. They could be project managers. They could be the company owners, depending on the size of the company and the relationship you have with these people. I mean, I definitely work for companies where I never met the owners, never met the PIs for that matter. We were just hired to be out in the field and we only met either the crew chief or maybe a project manager. And that was it. But there's still, you know, people in leadership positions at that company, whether they're also temporary or they are salaried or, you know, permanent with that company is not really part of the issue. It's just they're uh, in a leadership position over you. So in that context, we also are in very crazy situations that most people are not ever put in, right? Like, Heather, you're talking about working with your company in Southern California, but you know, while you guys do have projects where you have to stay in a hotel room, like every company does, you do a lot of stuff locally too. And, and you might have that ability to just check out at the end of the day, go home. And then you've got your personal life there on, and, and Monday through Friday, you're in the office or you're doing local stuff. And then on the weekends, you know, you're doing your own thing with your family, like a lot of people who work do. So it's a weird conversation to have because a lot of people maybe aren't like close friends with their employee, with their, their coworkers or even their, mm-hmm. the people that work for them or the people they work for because they don't have to be right. But when we're out on a project, even a long-term project, 
or a short-term project, it doesn't matter. And you're camping or you're in a hotel room and you see these people almost 24 hours a day, right? <laughs> like it's just, it's a lot and it's the whole week. And sometimes it's 10 days at a time. Some longer term projects in the middle of nowhere, you might actually be there on the weekends with other people, like on the four days off, or if it's five days a week on the two days off, because the company's covering that hotel as well. You know, it's a lot. And it's like, if you're not friends with these people, is, is your quality of life lower? You know, it's something like that. But so along these lines, let's talk about that. How do you guys navigate, I guess, being friends with the people that you may potentially have to let go, right? You may potentially have a conflict with, or you may potentially like, like at the end of the day and everybody's having drinks out at the tailgate of, of one of the trucks in the hotel room parking lot. Do you go, do you go out and have those drinks? Do you go out and, and choke around and have fun with them? And then the next day you've got to be like, Hey, get your shit together. You know, you're doing this. Can you do that? Can you separate those two activities in your brain? You know what I mean? Who wants to go first? Yeah. I mean, yes, I can. And I, I definitely think that, I mean, we've talked about it before. You have to manage what you're doing and manage the intensity or the depth or the level of connection, right? So hanging out at the tailgate, the day's over, we're unloading the truck, everyone's off, everyone's talking around, you know, that's, that's one situation. To have to go inside, take a shower, fully get ready, and then go out to someone's birthday party or or it's time for us all to go to the same restaurant together. Sometimes that seems like it's a bit too much depending on what the, mm-hmm. the crew is and how you're feeling that day or whether you have dinner in your own room or you know how much you want to be around them additionally. But I've always been of the opinion that there's a couple of folks, if I'm friends with and they're on the project, yeah, sure, we will hang out. We'll, we will go to the restaurant together. We'll you know, hang out in the lobby and have a drink or two. And if some other person at work that I don't dislike shows up and hangs out, then cool for them too. All right. I get to know this other person a little bit better, you know, right on they're hanging out with me, but I don't, I don't ever go out of my way to do the, you know, work life culture, team building activity things and stuff like that. I, it doesn't seem like it's a problem for me. It can be a problem if we're going the full distance and partying really hard and then the next day someone's dragging and you know it's because they were hanging out with you and you've got to tell them to get on it and then they give you some pushback because they're your friend. My advice is don't go that far. Like don't let the previous night's activities hinder what you're doing during the day because then you're in an uncomfortable position where someone's arguing but also just their health, right? You you went so far that now their health is suffering the next day. Don't go that far. So it shouldn't really ever be that problem. Now, if it came down to actually having to lay someone off or fire them, it would have to be because of the, the math and the numbers and everything. It would have to be an actual true reason their behavior was truly bad enough that they need to be let go because I wouldn't just do this whole thing of, you know, you got to lay three people off. So go through and, you know, pick out who's going to get laid off and who's not. I would say, no, you're the manager. You tell me who exactly I'm supposed to tell, let go. And if it's someone who's busting their hump and doing well, I'm going to advocate for that person and push against laying them off. If they've done something illegal or caused, you know, huge problems on the crew and you got to let them go in there, your buddy, they screwed up, man. They lost the job because they screwed up. So it shouldn't be that big of a deal for, you know, me and my own, you know, personality to let someone go. They, they can't work there anymore because they caused a problem. Yeah, I would just really agree with what you're saying, Bill. I think, you know, in terms of friendship and all that kind of stuff, there is a professional background to all this. Again, how hard is it to be a professional and be an adult? I mean, the answer is sometimes it is hard. And I did have a time once years ago where I did have to fire someone like a real one, you know, and it was difficult. But I had to put my science brain on and look at the data and the data said, you need to fire this person, you know, and we gave them chances and I kind of took them aside once or twice. And I was like, Hey man, you got to do this, this, and this by this date. If you don't, I'm telling you as a friend that this is going down and they just did not do it. So I had to drop the ax, you know, and I'm telling you, when you're in that position, no matter how much the data is behind you, no matter how friendly you are with the person or whatever, man, the position sucks no matter what. But again, I had to be a professional that day. And what I will also say is I saw several people who weren't professionals on that day who like wouldn't take the final step because they were friendly with that person or whatever, you know, and I had to 
I had to take the reins. Thinking back, I'm proud of myself for doing that, but it was it was difficult, but it was the right thing to do. Did the friendship survive that? No, but it, it wasn't a close friendship. I'll tell you that much. You know what I mean? I think if it it was just sort of a friendly uh, work relationship, but friendly enough where I appreciated this person, you know, that that kind of thing. If it was a close friendship, it might, you know, depending. Again, if you're just an honest person and you you tell them what's going down, they might actually realize, you know, like, oh, my God, yeah, I, I really didn't tow my own weight. I've, I've had that situation. I, I wouldn't call the person a really true friend. I mean, I've been in situations where I've seen people lose their job and I've been a part of that or I've had to actually exercise it myself. It is even whether I like the person, I don't like the person, I lose sleep over it. It is the worst thing to be involved in Me because too. you're you're oh, you're taking this person's livelihood. I'm a really empathetic person and so I'm constantly putting myself in that other person's shoes and it's it's just it's so painful. It's hard to do whether you like the person or you don't. In fact, I would say it's just as hard for me because I remove myself and I have had to let people go and it, I struggle with it. It's so difficult, but I've had, you know, situations where I've let people go and, you know, so as long as you're fair and you tell them, I mean, you should never let somebody go without having, giving them a chance. I mean, that's just cruel unless they do something that's just, you know, unconscionable. <laughs> that's different, but there's very few things that would call for immediate firing. And, you know, I've had people that I've let go that I am friends with and because they knew that I set it up to be fair. I gave them every chance and they understand now. And you know what? Maybe they were not happy with me at the time, but now we ran into each other again and they're like cool with it because they know that they've grown up a bit and they realize that I did everything I could to prevent that from happening. And it just because of their own actions, just had to happen. So I think that, you know, a really good idea, I'm just hearing everybody talk about this. And I think that being really intentional with understanding what do you consider a friendship? Because we throw that word around friendship. Like I would say that if I go on a on a project, I mean, I don't do this anymore, but back in the beginning of my career, and you're on a project for weeks or a month or a couple months, and you forge this very friendly acquaintance over time because it's hard not to do that when you're with people 24-7, right? Or you're with them very long days, then you have some drinks afterwards, or you have dinner together. I mean, some people like to eat dinner by themselves. I don't. I like to have people around me. I love meeting new people. I love exposing myself to different kind of you know, cultures or, or whatever. Cultures meaning they live in Virginia and I live in California, you know. I I think that understanding that that is different friendship is important. So if people are, if you're saying, you know, let's, let's shy away. If somebody says, I'm going to shy away from a friendship, what's well, a different difference? And I remember my grandfather would always talk about, there's a difference in life between a friendly acquaintance and a true friend, a friend that you would take the shirt off your back for that person. You would put yourself on the line for that person. Not that you wouldn't do that if you feel that a situation is wrong and you wouldn't do that for a friendly acquaintance because you know that in your heart and principle wise, that's wrong what's happening to that person. But there's other situations where sometimes you wouldn't necessarily have to do that. It's not hurting your you know, it's not going against your principles, but this person is a true friend and you're going to step up for them. There's a difference. And I think understanding that before you get into the emotional situation and understanding what is the difference between a friendly acquaintance and a true, true friend it is important to drawing your lines at work. The one thing I think when it comes to letting people go, though, that's really tragic is when someone at some remote office somewhere starts to add up the budget and they realize that they're going to go over budget. And so then there's a call or an email that says three people have to go on Tuesday, pick who they are. That's where I'm just kind of like, no, whoever the person was that added up this budget, you know, back at the home office and whatever, they're the ones who needs to go through and figure out. Who are the three people? Not me. I'm the, don't 
don't put that on me because then it turns into a situation where, you know, your own personal emotions and connection to individuals could protect some folks or could actually, like you said, take someone's livelihood away just because they like to eat in their hotel room and you just didn't really know who they were. So that's where I just say, no, no, you go through and choose the three people that you want to get rid of. And then, uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that, but don't, don't put me on the, on the stand like that and force me to make the decision for someone who just obviously doesn't know how to do arithmetic. And that's the reason why we're in this situation right now anyway. Hmm. So I have a, it's kind of like a general series of questions that they're kind of related. And it was like, I, we've, we've been talking about how uh, Bill mentioned earlier, like staying longer in a job than you're supposed to. How do you guys, have you guys, I guess you said, if you have, and then how you've done it, do you calculate sort of friendships inside your calculus of work? So like, have any of you guys stayed at a job longer because you've been friends with the people even though it can, on paper, you get paid for going somewhere else. Um, I guess it comes down to that, like, you know, how much are you willing to pay for your friendships? And then also, I'm pretty sure all of us have moved across the country or across states, except, I don't know, Andrew, uh, I feel like you've always been in California, but I could be wrong on that. But You're I'm pretty right sure everyone on, else, everyone. Right, because I'm awesome. <laughs> Uh, oh, it's, it's a surfing man. You can't leave the beach. Yeah, but so, but it's that general question. It's like, have you guys? I know we've all moved away from friends and family, but have that has that affected where you've moved or you know gone to different jobs? I can answer quickly. For me, yeah. the answer is in terms of jobs and stuff. I'll stay way longer if you know I have friends there and it's a great environment. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Nope. I'm a I'm a free agent. <laughs> money money is definitely up to the very very high on the reasoning behind it and benefits and how it's going to benefit my family so you know i have a yeah. family to take care of but even before i was always weighing well some place may pay me more money but they're not going to give me benefits or their benefits suck you know those always went into the determination and then yeah region at this point in my career does matter a lot earlier on i was willing to go from here to there to everywhere else but there's certain parts of the united states that i just don't really enjoy being and I don't want to work there and I don't see myself living there. And so I will stay in a job that's, you know, possibly less good for me if it's in a better part of the country. But once again, I'm not afraid to move from here to there for money, man. Just like a true Viking. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go, go, go Love and it. take, right? Love go it. and take the, the money when you have it. And then when they run out, it's time for you to move on to the next thing. Or when you think you can get more somewhere else, like why would, no. I, I've never been in a situation where I would just take less money in a, in less, you know, situation because mm-hmm. I want to hang out with my friends more. I said in our chat, yes, as soon as Doug asked that question, because I, I know, I mean, it's fresh. I've had multiple offers and I've stayed where I'm at because I really feel that I'm doing something important that benefits people. Mm-hmm. And I have a loyalty to the people I work with and my team, my team. And it has gone through my head. Like if I leave, what, what's, what will happen to the individual people on the team? Right. And I feel that responsibility because each one uh, is relying on that team and on what we do to put food in the mouths of their families. But I totally respect what Bill says, because you know what? Your family does come first. Yeah. And, you know, there are some times that probably I have made decisions that were not beneficial to my family as much because I've gone through stress at a certain situation, you know, in a certain job because it last stayed there longer because of that personal, uh, of my, my uh, desire to do what's right for my team. And it has hurt me personally and made it much more stressful. And I'm, you know, under a lot of stress, which in, which affects my family. And so that's probably not been the best decision in some cases, but I have said no to very good offers because of my loyalty to my team. Now there was once I didn't and, and then my company countered and I stayed, but you know, it's, it's difficult that it's definitely, and I'm not going to say that I've ever, that I have always made the right decisions. (laughs) I just being honest, I have stayed at a job, longer because of the relationships and my, my, I don't know, my loyalty to, to, to the people I work with. 
Well, I think there is a lot to be said about loyalty and how you build that actually as an employer. You know what I mean? Uh, because you you don't directly employ people, Heather, but you're in charge of, you know, hiring, you know, people sure. and, and, and influencing those decisions, but you're not, yeah. you're not writing the paychecks, but that doesn't functionally right. really matter. To be honest, no. <laughs> you're, you're the one responsible for making their life something they want to continue with that company, right? The company's right. partially responsible with benefits and stuff, but it, it largely comes down to the work ethic that, uh, that you show and the, and the, you know, how, how projects are run and things like that, which is a testament to your leadership skills and abilities. And, and that's one thing that that I really try to work on as well uh, all the time when I've led projects that had uh, that had people involved for my own company. You know, I'm a small company, so I haven't always had employees. But when I do have employees, I almost always try to do, you know, at the very least, some sort of crew event every session. You know, however long the session is, you know, we'll, we'll do a crew dinner paid for by the company. We'll do a, a cookout or something like that if we're out in the middle of nowhere and there, there's no place to go get dinner, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. But, you know, I try to do those things because I try to build those friendships. I want the people to like each other. I want them to get to know each other outside of walking a transect or, you know, talking in the truck or something something like that. I, I want those friendships and relationships to be to be made. And even if those friendships dissolve at the end of the project, that's OK. Uh, but if, if you're if you know each other a little better and you're getting along a little better, it's just like some of the online stuff we're talking about. It's easy to rail against somebody you don't know with your fingers on a keyboard. But if you know them and you understand their situation and their own personal histories and where they're coming from, it's much more difficult to you know, be angry, just, take things just the wrong be way. angry at them. Yeah, yep. right. And, and that's just a general philosophy for life, to be honest with you. It, you travel more, you meet more people, you become more tolerant. Right. And and that's just that's just how it goes. So I feel like it's the same way with crews and, and companies and, you know, teams of people that work together. So. All right. Well, we've gone way over on this segment. There's a lot more we could talk about. Uh, we'll continue this conversation on our Slack channel. If you're not a member, go over to arcpodnet.com forward slash members. You can join in and become a member and, and keep talking about this stuff with the hosts and, and with other members. And it's really fun. And we can also comment wherever you found this. Don't do it like in an iTunes review or something like that. I've seen that. We can't respond to those. <laughs> but if you see us on social media or even on the webpage, you can actually go to the webpage on arcpodnet.com for this episode and comment there. Not too many people use that feature. Uh, and I wish they did more. So anyway, with that, we will take a break. And our next episode, if we can get our crap together, we may not talk about this at all, but I just want to point out that our next episode is after, and this one is before our 10 year anniversary of doing this podcast. Uh, it's actually like February 12th or something like that of 2012. So, or 2013, sorry. And so, so yeah, this episode is before the anniversary. The next episode is after the anniversary. So I just wanted to point that out in case we don't talk about that on the next episode. So thanks for 10 years with a couple of you on this podcast, Bill and Doug that have been here since the beginning. And, and thanks Andrew and Heather for, you know, coming into this crazy train, even, you know, knowing what we were about and, and, and still sticking around. <laughs> so, it's a uh, true friends. My professional career has been destroyed, but uh, it was exactly. maybe worth it. It was worth it. <laughs> you always have surfing. It's all right. That's right. Awesome. That's right. So, all right. Well, with that, we will see you guys next time on the other side of 10 to start another 10 years. We'll see you next week. That's it for another episode of the CRM Archaeology Podcast. Links to some of the items mentioned on the show are in the show notes for this podcast, which can be found at www.arcpodnet.com slash podcast. Please comment and share anywhere you see the show. If you'd like us to answer a question on a future episode, email us. Use the contact form on the website or just email chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Support the show and the network at arcpodnet.com slash members. Get some swag and extra content while you're there. Send us show suggestions and interview suggestions. We want this to be a resource for field technicians everywhere, and we want to know what you want to know about. Thanks to everyone for joining me this week. Thanks also to the listeners for tuning in, and we'll see you in the field. Goodbye. Goodbye. Bye, everyone. Bros, this podcast is cool and all, but laters, surf's up. <laughs> I'm, I'm about to end uh, it. Oh, Doug is, not, Doug's is just not going to say goodbye. Okay. He's going to make me good. do 10 more years of episodes is what's going to happen. That's right. That's right. All right. Well, I'm going to end it. Doug is choosing to uh, abstain from this goodbye. So I'll say goodbye for him. Goodbye. Goodbye, Doug.
This episode was produced by Chris Webster from his RV traveling the United States, Tristan Boyle in Scotland, DigTech LLC, Cultural Media, and the Archaeology Podcast Network, and was edited by Chris Webster and Rachel Roden. This has been a presentation of the Archaeology Podcast Network. Visit us on the web for show notes and other podcasts at www.archpodnet.com. Contact us at chris at archaeologypodcastnetwork.com. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. .com.